Hey, this is Rob Groupie. And if you want to create a life with more money, more meaning, and more freedom, you have to listen to the Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast with my good friend, Xander Fryer. It's freaking awesome. Don't miss it. How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right, you're not going to want to miss today's episode with Rob Groupie. He's one of the most successful online fitness trainers uh, out there. He also owned one of the largest CrossFit studios in America. But before that, he was a drug addict. He served a 20-year sentence in prison, and he has overcome some of life's craziest uh, and most most adverse things that I have uh, out of anybody I've ever met. Um, so in this episode, you're going to learn how to overcome any form of adversity, including going to prison. Why investing over half of a million dollars in coaches has been one of the best ways that Rob has spent money. The two things that you need to focus on to grow every single day and how to find the perfect life partner. You're not going to want to miss this episode, so I'll see you in there. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer, Z-A-N-D-E-R-F-R-Y-E-R. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. I'll see you inside. Today on the show, we've got Rob Groupie, and you're not going to want to miss this one. Uh, Rob is one of the elite experts when it comes to fitness and weight, list, uh, weight loss in the world today, uh, but he wasn't always that way. Uh, Rob actually suffered from drug addiction when he was younger, ended up spending, was it seven and a half years in prison um, after falling asleep at the wheel with some, some drugs and a gun. Uh, and then after that, got back into the world of fitness, uh, built his own brand as a trainer, bought his own gym. Uh, he ended up having one of the largest fitness gyms, CrossFit gyms uh, in America at 16,000 feet, helping hundreds of people lose weight uh, every single month. Uh, and today he's helped thousands of people lose weight, even in weird times like this online all over the world. Um, Rob, welcome to the show. Appreciate you having me on, Xander. Yeah, absolutely, man, dude. I like I've I've known you for a little bit now, and and uh, obviously, um, you know, the Rob that I know right now is totally different from your entire journey, and we're gonna dig into a lot of that journey. Um, but before we really get into that, I always on this podcast have to ask a couple of quick questions. Um, number one, what do you define as success in your life? For me, it's definitely much more about knowledge and experiences than it is any kind of material thing. Yeah. So 
success is just being in a place where I can, I'm sure similar to many people, do what you want to do when you want to do it. Uh, and also just being able to learn from some of the best in the world, the experiences yeah. with me and, and my fiance traveling around learning and then uh, becoming more valuable and adding more valuable to the clients that we work with. That's success for me. That's amazing, man. I love that. Uh, question for you. I know the answer to this, but for the audience, did you go to college? <clears throat> a little bit. A little bit, yeah. I got a couple just associate enough. degrees. A couple just associate degrees. I mean, Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Um, what's one thing that you wish you learned in school? <sighs> Definitely sales and influence. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, man. I love that. Let's let's talk about that because I think from uh, even from a young age, uh, to kind of go back to your story, you were obviously a good seller and a good influencer from a young age. Just the the earlier part of your life, probably not in uh, the most productive way. Walk walk me through the earlier part of your life and some of the mistakes that you made there. Okay, so to be like just really transparent, I was I was a fat kid growing up, and I got. Friend zoned. I got humiliated, yeah. got beat up one time by an older group of boys. And I just, I, I never wanted to feel that way again. So that that's what got me into like bodybuilding, started to gain confidence there. And then there was yeah, for, also a moment. For everybody, for everybody listening, uh, Rob now is like a Greek God, uh, like a marble statue, like <laughs> a picturesque person of a human. So to, so to imagine you as like the fat kid is crazy to me. But sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah, so around the same time, I had I had an older friend of mine, and we smoked weed here and there. And I just I remember we went over to to get some weed from this guy, and he had a bag that had a bunch of little bags individually wrapped in there. And in that moment, there was just like a shift in my mind that I saw that as a way to to get certainty, as a way to get power, as a way yeah. to have influence. And it, and it drew me into, into that world. And because of that, I was able to do a lot of the things that I wanted to do. I, I had and a lot so, of success. So it was almost out of this desire to like, almost out of a desire to be liked and be part of the community again, that you actually got into it. Sure. Just, you know, the feeling of powerlessness that I felt as that young fat kid that got humiliated, yeah. you know, the things that, that were anti that spoke to me. So yeah bodybuilding, uh, drugs, those things that gave me power. And I didn't understand, you know, subconsciously why I was attracted to them now, but it makes sense looking, looking back and reflecting. Yeah. So, so obviously you get into this world of drugs, um, and eventually drug dealing as well as a way of influence and, and building power. Um, you know, walk me through, obviously you, you, this was one of the biggest mistakes of your life, but eventually you got to the point where, um, you were actually arrested and went to jail as well. Yeah. So I, I like to say I had, had my stuff together. I treated it as a, as a business and I, w I was doing well, making good money. I've always had it in me to like ascend whatever yeah. I was doing. So I became a, a good drug dealer, if you will. <laughs> I had a, uh, yeah. operations going on in, in Mexico and, so I had all this, I was making money, I had this power, but at the same time, I had this growing sense of anxiety, knowing that I didn't have a backup plan. Yeah, I didn't have a backup plan. This was going to end 
and it probably wasn't going to end well. You were you were smart enough to know that like this, you you'd seen enough movies, you you knew that there was only one outcome for this, right? You know, but at the same time, I didn't want to face that because it was yeah. so easy to like the times like I would make my Mexico runs when I crested the hill past the second checkpoint, just the rush that I would get. It was yeah. I knew there was no way that I could just be like, okay, you know, I'm done with that. Yeah, on my own anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, that was the, the the life that I was into. And what really caused everything to start taking a turn was I hurt my back. I hurt my lower back while I was working out. And that just spiraled things out of control. I had been dabbing yeah. in painkillers a little bit. And then oh, man. I started taking Oxycontins up to the point where I was taking 800 milligrams of Oxycontin a day. Wow. That... And the other drugs in the mix, it was like so bad to where there was one day I was attempting to work out and, and like I started to feel it in my heart. Like, oh my God, this doesn't feel right. And I and my immediate reaction was like, God, I got I gotta quit working out. How how old were you at this point? Probably 20, 21, 22. Man. Somewhere around there. That's crazy. So yeah, instead of me being like, oh man, I gotta quit doing drugs, it was oh man, I gotta quit working out. Yeah, right. right. I mean, that, that's <laughs> that's the thought process we go through when we're 20. Right. That's 20, where my mind was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's that's addiction, right? That's that's what's going on. You don't start to think you don't think clearly anymore. You come up with ways around to keep doing what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy that that you mentioned that because like there was there was one moment where I got to the point where I was cocaine was in the mix. I was actually I was shooting cocaine like 15 times a day. Wow. literally shooting it. And there was one moment where I'm in my bathroom, my daughter, two-year-old daughter, her mom in the next room had no idea that I was in it on this level. And I had made up a double dose earlier in the day and meant to split it, but I forgot. And so as I shot it up, I realized like, holy shit, what I just did. And uh, I, I started to freak out, but at the same time, I didn't want them to know what was going on. So I got myself into the shower. There's water flowing over me and I'm feeling my pulse and I'm just like, God, please don't let me die. Please don't let me die. Yeah. And I get this visualization of my daughter, her mom at my gravesite, and all this is flashing through my mind. And finally the feeling passes and you'd think that that was the moment that I was like, you know, and that's when I was like, enough is enough. But I didn't, you know, the yeah. feeling passed. I got past it and 30 minutes later I was making up another shot and that was just something I reflected on later to be like, man, how could I have justified that? And there just wasn't an answer. You know, so I, I, I'm a firm believer that sometimes I, I feel like we all change when we hit rock bottom. It's just sometimes we need to hit rock bottom and bounce a couple of times before we realize it's actually rock bottom. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. So, so you end up getting uh, arrested for, were you in a car accident or were you, you just no, felt so, real? so yeah, I, fell asleep at the wheel. My, literally, my foot stayed on the brake at a stoplight and no telling how many revolutions of the, the light going on before the police actually got there. Oh, man. Pulled me out of my vehicle and I had I had, I had half a key of Coke on me. I had a gun on me. Yeah. You know, it was just the fact that my foot stayed on the brake was just a miracle that it didn't yeah. slip off because this was at a busy intersection yeah. as well. Oh man! But yeah, that's that, that's that's what did it. You know, I woke up to the police pulling me out of my vehicle with a bunch of drugs, uh, a gun, money, and uh, that was a uh, that did it. Yeah, and that how old were you at this point? 
Oh, I was, I believe, 23. Jeez. Yeah, so 23 years old, and you're now facing uh, a prison sentence, right? So you end up you end up getting, a, I believe, a 20-year prison sentence, right? Yeah, so up, yeah. I, I had an attorney that was like, man, this is your first offense. Not going to be a big deal. We're going to get you some probation, something like that. And then so I went in on sentencing day, you know, expecting that. And it just didn't Ex- work. Expecting that way. it to be easy, expecting it to be a cakewalk. Yeah, yeah. And, and the the judge just like it. They didn't see it that way, and, and they gave me a twenty year prison sentence. And in that moment, that day, shit just got really real wow. as they're cuffing me up, and, and my family's crying. I just I made a decision in that moment that I was going to change my life. I was going to help other people change their lives, and I wasn't going to let one day pass that I was going to look back on and think, why didn't I use this time more efficiently? Yeah. So that I, I want to dig into that for, for a second, because I think that moment is there, there's something about that moment that like when something like that quote unquote happens to you, right? We've all had a moment where something happens to you when you're just like, like God, universe, mother earth, whatever, like how the hell did this happen to me? And why me? Right. And how we respond in that moment is, it, you know, kind of dictates a large portion of the rest of our life. Right. Do you think do you think it was just just in you that you were like, you know what, I'm I'm finding this and I'm turning it and I'm I'm, I'm going to commit the rest of my life to doing good because there's other people that would have taken that and would have played the victim card. They would have said they would have said this is unfair. This is the system's fault. They would have said all these other things. What what like well, made you go that way? I, I took it. There were a lot of things that happened, you know, all at once, obviously. But one was it it made me really upset. I was like, all right, I'm going to show all these motherfuckers, but yeah. especially myself. This isn't going to define me. I'm going to come out on the other side of this stronger than ever. Not only that, but it was my fault. Yeah, and I knew it was my fault. You, you, you know, even it though it started with you taking ownership over it. Right. You know, even though like was the sentence more harsh than it could have been like sure but at the same time had i not been living that lifestyle making those choices and didn't get caught for so much stuff that i did yeah you know like i i had it coming yeah i had it coming and maybe if it had you, only there was been no way year, you could say i didn't deserve this no like if maybe if I had only got a year, maybe if I only got five years, maybe I wouldn't have learned my lesson. Maybe I would have gotten out, done the same thing. You know, yeah. I think things happen the way that they're supposed to happen. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, I think that's a core belief that, that we've actually found, I've found with a lot of the most successful people. It's, you know, whatever, whatever bad things come your direction, we, you find a way to basically number one, take ownership and responsibility for it. And then number two, find a way to find some good in it somehow. Right. So you end up with a 20 year prison sentence. Now I've, I've never personally been to prison. Um, I imagine that it's, you know, super easy. You're just hanging out, watching Netflix, like chatting with the boys the whole time. Right. Like it's just, it's really good. It's, it's just a lot of fun. Right. Oh man. It's, it's amazing what you can get used to, what you can become desensitized to. Yeah. Like through just seeing things like this is just the norm. This is just the way it is. Uh, it's, it's pretty crazy, especially yeah. like as I started at different levels of security, like starting my sentence, I was in a really <laughs> high level of security versus on through the sentence closer to being released in a lower level of security. Just 
the way the feeling and tension in the air when you're in an environment where people know they're never going home ever. Yeah. So like you're, you're locked up with people that are on life sentences. Yeah. That, like they have nothing to lose at that point. Right. Yeah. A, a, a bad day, a bad phone call, a bad letter could, can just set somebody over the deep end because like, what do they have to lose? You know? Yeah. And you were, so you, you end up serving a 20 year sentence in about seven and a half years. Yeah. So I discharged a 20 year sentence in seven years, six months and 18 days. So how do you, so you discharged the whole 20 years. Right. So the way it works is there's a, yeah, yeah, there's a level system. So at least in Oklahoma, the way it is, there's, there's level one, two, three, four. Level one just means you get day for day time. Level two, you get day per day plus 22 extra days, three, 33 extra days, four, 44 extra days. So if you're at level four, good behavior, and it takes about a year to, to reach Got your it. levels, then you're getting like 70, 75 days a month. And then any oh, type you're, of- You're serving a little bit more than double time almost. like Right. Yeah. And then different programs that you complete, you get- you know, good days for things like that. So that's where, you know, I went to, I went back to school. I was able to take college courses at one of the facilities and it just really changed my mindset because before my parents wanted me to go to school and I was like, I don't want to do that. But in in there, you know, it was like, okay, I get to do this now versus I have to, I know I get to. That, I think that's like, you've, you've, you are literally a man who has had everything stripped from him. You've had no freedom. You know, you've had, you've had no freedom. You've had no liberty. You've had, you you don't have your own place. Your life is dictated for you when you're in prison. And like you mentioned, you're living in fear, like almost constant fear of like what could happen next. Right. I'm I'm certain. Yeah. I'm, I'm certain that like that has to contribute to the man that I know as Rob Groupie, like the calm, confident, grateful, loving, like, a loving of life person that I know after you've been through that. Right. Yeah. Just the, the contrast, like the, you know, I'll never forget just the nights laying there, just staring at a spot on the wall and or on the ceiling in my concrete cell and yeah. just thinking, man, I can't, I can't wait until I can just have some first world problems. Let me get out there and worry about <laughs> living paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> let me, let me get that. Yeah. You know, it made, it really made me appreciate. So now when I have my first world problems and I, and I feel sorry for myself here or there, cause it still happens. I'm, I'm human. Right. Then I can quickly contrast. Okay. This isn't that bad. This, this ain't that bad. It's not that bad. Right. But I think that's, I think that's so important because most of us don't have that perspective. Most of us have never, most of us have never lived in a third world. Most of us have never been to prison. Most of us has never like really felt in danger of our lives for an extended period of time like you have, right? Unless unless you've been a soldier at war or something like that, right? Not a lot of us have that ability to contrast. And I think that's what kind of creates the first world problems and a lot of the first world like stress, anxiety, depression, even though you have everything that you could have ever wanted, right? Right. Yeah, that's crazy. So so obviously you get, you eventually get out of prison. Um What's the first thing that you do to start you back on that track to, to building to the, you know, the man, the business owner that you are today? So right when I started off the sentence, you know, I started asking like, why? Okay. Like, why did this happen? Like how, how what led up to this? Yeah. How can I not do that again? So you're, you were and focused then, on learning from this experience right from the beginning. 
right from the beginning. I, yeah. I was like, there is not going to be one single day that goes by that I'm like, oh, I should have, I should have, should have, should have done this or that. Like I was going to make every day count. I made yeah. every day count. Yeah. Yeah. So just questioning what led up to this, why, and then what do I really want to do? What am I passionate about? Passionate about training, always have been passionate. Like I knew I wanted to do something in training. I wanted to do something like counseling. Yeah. I wanted to go one of those two routes and I just knew. So I started just researching material, reading books. That was the mission. I knew I was going to focus on that when I got out. Yeah. And so as soon as you get out, like you've now had seven and a half years to marinate on this. As soon as you get out, um, I, I think you said you went straight back to the, the gym that you now, or not now, you just sold it a few months ago, but the gym that you owned, you went back to that gym to ask for a job, I think. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting, like how it worked, because I, I learned several de- several trades when I was in prison. I learned how to weld, operate heavy machinery, yeah. and I was very much like a white collar person yeah. before that experience. Yeah. And so I had the option when I got to the last leg of like this halfway house where I would be there for to sleep at night and then work during the day. I had the choice of working as a welder or for a, a place called Big Truck Taco, like as a window person. <laughs> yeah. And the thought of doing that was terrifying because I had made myself unapproachable for so many years, just being in that environment of having to have the don't fuck with me face. So just to get by in prison. Right. And so I would only just talk to just a few people. Other than that, I wouldn't talk to anybody. And so I knew like, if I'm going to work with people, like I have to be able to talk to people. Yeah. And if I'm a welder, like I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know, to myself. So I need to do this thing that is terrifying to me, be the window person for this taco truck. And so I did really? it just specifically. So, so talk to me about that. You purposefully choose the thing that scares you. I, I purposely chose the lower paying job because the thought of me doing it was terrifying. Yeah. It was terrifying. And you knew that whatever terrified you was the thing that you needed to do. I knew it. Yep. That I needed to do the things that made me uncomfortable for me to grow in, into the person that, that I, I had to become to do the things that I wanted to do. Could you could you expand on that a little bit more? Because I think I think that's brilliant. I I agree with you wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. But I want to make sure that like everybody gets you purposefully choose the thing that you hate or you're afraid of. Yeah. So it would just it came to to me like okay, whenever something is like on on my mind, and and this is another thing from prison too. Like so many things happened like. One example, I, I had cheated on my daughter's mom while I was on drugs. She found out about it while I was locked up. I get a letter one day that's like, hey, I'm never going to talk to you again. You're never going to I'm never going to yeah. bring your daughter again. We're all cool now. But like in that moment, you know, like I was crushed. Of it was my fault, but I was still I was crushed. But I just had to take those feelings and I just had to stuff them way down because it's not like I could go cry to somebody about it, yeah. you know? So I I had that and then it just came to my mind like when I when I'm out man like I'm going to do like if the stuff makes me uncomfortable I'm just going to do it man I haven't had the opportunity to do that before now I'm going to get the opportunity to do that I'm not going to let it pass me by especially when it comes to things that I know are going to help me grow into the person that I want to become to do the things that I was meant to do because yeah. this also goes back to thinking about like my why of you know when I was on drugs, I was negatively influencing myself. I was negatively influencing other people, some of them no longer living. And yeah. so I can't change that. But now I get to impact people's lives in a different way, positively moving forward. And I and it's like my have to, like I have to do it. Yeah. It's it's not even an option for you anymore. You it's it's just a right. uh, it's amazing. Yeah. 
Oh, beautiful. So you're working as a you're working as a window checker. I yeah, <laughs> so I'm doing that. And at the same time, I had just recertified for my personal training certification, went back to the gym that I had injured myself at previously and just went to the owner. I was like, hey, I'm a certified personal trainer, but I just got out of prison. I'm looking for somebody to give me an opportunity. Yeah. I just kept it, kept it real. And he said, okay. And he started letting me shadow some of the trainers. And as I was shadowing, I was like, dude, I could do this. Yeah. So then I started training people and then, you know, things just started to to grow from there. That's amazing. And this was, you were the person that was unapproachable in prison. And now you're the one working with people on a daily basis, helping them, helping them build their fitness, get healthy, get confident again. Yep. That's pretty crazy. So, so how long of doing that until you actually work up to the point where you can actually own a gym? So, uh, a blessing and a, a challenge for me is I automatically, I'm a, I'm an optimist. Like I like to see the opportunity, like me and somebody else can listen to the same conversation. And I can be like, did you hear what they just said? And they're like, what? You know, I hear that's opportunity in it. So you hear, you hear something deeper than what's actually being said. Yeah. Right. So I had, I ended up having several different failed partnerships where I'm like, I got this vision. You have that too. Oh my God, we should totally be partners. Don't worry about paperwork. You know, handshake's good enough. Yeah. Right. So I really uh, had some, some good learning lessons and two failed partnerships that I experienced, two lawsuits and that, that led, I mean, anxiety and stress was so bad. Like there was a moment where I was like, man, maybe I just need to go work at McDonald's for a little while, get some money back and then start over. Yeah. And, uh, that is when I started seeking out mentors and coaches. Yeah. So it's, and as soon as I broke the seal, go ahead. I, I was gonna say, it's so funny, even just watching you talk about this again, you're talking, you're talking about like all this hardship that, you, that you've been through. You've been through prison. You've been through having to work as a as a window checker, then, you know, a couple of failed partnerships and lawsuits. And as you're talking about it, you've got this big smile on your face, right? It's, it's just entertaining to me the way that you approach like all of these quote unquote bad things that have gone on in your life, but how they actually make you feel is like, you're, you're kind of lit up by them because you're like, I had to go through that crap to get to where I am now. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's where like, having coaches and mentors. Yeah. Like I never, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what having a coach, what having a mentor could do Yeah, for you, you know? So after I broke the seal on my first one and, uh, Bedros was my first like real true coach. Oh, nice. And it was that's, really that's a good first coach to have right there, man. <laughs> well, there was just, you know, I went through the limiting beliefs of myself. Like, you know, I had this, this knowledge that I wanted to help people with, but I was like, ah, who am I to help people? I'm a convicted felon. There's so many other people out there that are better than me. And so it was one of his videos, one of his YouTube videos that was like, there was people out there crying themselves to sleep at night because they don't know about the knowledge you could help them with, but you're not telling them because you're worried about what people are going to think about you. Yeah. You selfish bastard. Yeah. You know? And so that just like hit me and I was like, I got to work with this guy. So yeah. I sought him out and I flew to California I ended up meeting with him and Craig and it was just like a couple other people in the room. And at the end of this presentation, he was like, so Rob, you in? (laughs) And, uh, 
I was the lay down for sure. I was like, yep. I don't even know what we're doing here. I don't know how I'm going to afford it, but, but of I'm course, the but boats. And I think that's where you and I are similar, right? Like we get a sense for something and we're just like, let's go. Like, I, I don't yep, need, like I don't I'm need the details. I, I know what's going to come from this and I'm, I'm going to make sure that it's going to be great either way. Right. Yeah. So that, that really broke open for me. And this is something I, t- I tell people all the time. Like one of the first assignments he gave me to do and read was to read the book, The Big Leap. Yeah. And this is somebody I just invested a bunch of money with. And he's like, you should read this book. And you, I should go spend, like, hey. you should go spend $14.97 to buy this book on Amazon. <laughs> right. When if someone just random person tells you like, hey, you should read this book. You're like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and then you back, you pocket it or whatever. But if somebody you just invested a substantial amount of money is like, hey, you should read this book. Do you think you're going to read it? Yeah. You think you're going to take it seriously? You think that book becomes more valuable to you? Hell yeah. So that book, because of that, because of the investment I made, that book changed my life. You you actually implement, right? It, it, goes, exactly. it goes beyond just being knowledge for you and it becomes like a deep knowing because you implement everything in the book. Yeah. So that changed the game for me on what was what was possible, my beliefs of what was possible. And so that led to me investing in tons of coaches. I've spent over half a million dollars investing in coaches, mentors, and and, and I I love it. I mean, it's the best thing that I could have done. And I think everybody should have a coach and mentor in their life. Oh, that's amazing, man. I love that. Um, well, since we're on the topic of coaches and mentors, what's, if you were to say for you, coaches and mentorship in your life, what's been maybe the top three things that coaches and mentorship has really helped you with? Changing, helping change my beliefs about what was possible for one. And then also like beliefs that I had about money. Yeah. That was a huge one. And that, that was something that, you know, I was really happy to get into the online space because for some reason, when I was in the brick and mortar, I had it in my mind like that I had to be, I had to be poor. Yeah. Kind of like I had to be poor or else, you know, it was like I was taking from from, uh, from my clients and it was just, it was just a really weird mindset and I didn't yeah. realize that it was going on until I didn't have that anymore. But yeah, just, I, I think, you know, a, a good coach and mentor is just somebody that helps you identify your blind spots. Yeah. You know, that helps you uncover the things you're unconsciously incompetent about. So you can start going through those levels there. And so I'm just always like just seeking out like who's the next person that can help me see my blind spot or help me implant in me the next question I need to be asking myself and I need to be asking somebody else so that's what just keeps me hungry for it and just raising levels of awareness I think is the main thing and that just keeps me hungry to always keep ascending and looking for the next person that that I'm going to be able to learn from yeah and I think I think that's something that you know, I've, I've seen from you is like just a constant desire to grow. Like every time I'm talking to you, like you were supposed to be out here in San Diego for an NLP conference, right? Like every time I'm talking to you, you're doing the next conference, you're doing the next workshop, you've, you've got the next coach or the mentorship program, right? You know, I think it's, uh, I think it's Benjamin Franklin that once said like most men die at age 25. They're just not buried until 70. And what he's referring to is like, we stop learning and growing around, you know, early to mid twenties. Most that's when most of us stop growing, right? And then we just wait till we're seventy to actually get buried. But it's like, you know, you've developed this mentality, like 
constant, consistent, iterative growth, right? Where do you, yeah. where do you think that came from for you? Yeah. I, you know, I'm still trying to identify like kind of the, the root of it, but I think, I mean, just, I know it's just always been there. This just, I wanted to ascend in everything that I did. Like when I ascended as a drug dealer, you know, yeah. I, I built this operation, not a good thing. then. Not, not necessarily the best path to be going down, but you did ascend. <laughs> Right. But now, you know, like I get to do it in this virtuous cycle where I get to learn from people. And I just, I don't even think about like being scared to talk to this person or that person. It's just like, okay, I need to, I need to connect with this person. And then I'm just like lasered in and I'm learning from them. I'm taking in the information and then it's like, okay, what do I need to do from here? And then it's just like, I unconsciously do it. And and I'm not sure like where it started or or where it comes from, to be honest with you. Yeah. But it's, it's clearly there. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, well, so tell me about this. You just, you did kind of mention now you're in this like virtuous cycle, um, with everything that you're doing now, obviously you, you ended up selling twice bitten fitness, you know, one of the, one of the largest CrossFit gyms in the U S now you're fully online, um, continuing to help change the world of health and wellness and weight loss. What, you know, with, with all this drive, with all this knowledge, all the life lessons that you've learned, what what would you say is your big why? Like, what is the why behind everything that you do? Well, I mean, again, that would have to go back to, you know, I've always been an influential person there. When I was younger and first getting into fitness, you know, I influenced a lot of people, my friends into fitness with me. But then when it when it came to that time in my life, when I got onto drugs, I also influenced a lot of people yeah. in a way that that was that was that hurt them. Yeah. You know, and 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 having been through that, it's still like impacted me like on a, on a, such a deep level. Like now the why is like, I, I can't change that. So I, I have to, like, I have to help people. Yeah. I just, I have to. Do you, do you believe in you know? karma? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's almost like, you know, karmically, it's like you, like you did stuff earlier on in your life that you have to make up for now. And it's, you know, it's just the right thing to do almost. Yeah. And so, and, and I also just get a lot of fulfillment out of it, like connecting people. I'm, I'm yeah. a natural connector as well. Cause I just like something worked really well for me. I'm like, Oh my God, like this other person who's in the situation I was in before they need this. Yeah. If I can just connect them, that'd be so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you, so, so one more thing that you kind of chatted about there, it's like you, it, it's almost like you're never, you never really are afraid of an outcome. Like you mentioned, you just kind of zero in on something, you go for it, you just make it happen. I mean, is it that you don't have fear or is that (laughs) like, you know, obviously you've been in, you've been in one of the worst case scenarios. Like you've been in prison for seven and a half years. So like what, you know, that whatever fears are going on in your head, they're, you know, relatively minuscule compared to what you've actually gone through. So here's the deal with that. And it's funny that you mentioned that this is like a part, like one of my mentors, guy named Dr. Kashi, amazing uh, mentor in the, in, in the fitness and just mind space, like as far as like why we eat the way we do and things like that. Yeah. He was, he was breaking down, like he works with a lot of like elite caliber athletes, Olympians. And when we we're talking about people that just like really high level, it's not that they have something that we don't have. It's that they're missing something that most people have. Yeah. They're missing that, that, that off switch. Yeah. Right. So 
this has played out for me, like from a time when I had my first surgery on my hand in Mexico, like I just get this tunnel vision of the thing that I'm going to do. And I don't think about the consequences. Yeah. And you so stop I stop thinking and you just act. Yeah. It's almost like that story that, that you told about the farmer that did that, that five <laughs> uh, day marathon. Five day like marathon. Just, yeah. Right. It's like, you just didn't know that you weren't supposed to be able to do that. Yep. And so I'll do things like instance in prison where like, I thought I was going to be getting into it. Just me and this one guy. And I'm like, okay, like I'm just focused on this guy not knowing that all these people would have jumped me if that happened. Yeah. But he's thinking this guy knows that all these people are fixing to jump him and he just doesn't care. And he's still, but and in he's reality, still standing here and ready to go. Like, right. In reality, I, I had no clue. Yeah. And it wasn't until later on when I learned it, I was like, Oh, oh shit. Really? Yeah. Damn. You know, but it's just like, it's just, it saved me. And so I guess the answer to that would be like, once I, I figure out, okay, I want to do this. Like, I'm not thinking about all the potential consequences and, and yeah. fears. I'm just like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to make it happen. And then learn after the fact. So but it's kind of like been and, a, a, and that's, I think that's a problem <clears throat> with most people when it comes to like wanting to be successful is they want to be successful. They have this desire, like <clears throat> attention and they'll, they'll get locked in on it, but then they'll start to think. And the thinking is kind of like what opens them up and brings them back and pulls them away from actually going after it almost like it's, it's like thinking is actually the enemy. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's funny at the, that you mentioned that. And now like my, my fiance soon to be wife that I've been with for over seven years. is like my congratulations, by the way, I'm really excited for you and Trammy there. That's going to be an amazing marriage. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So she's like the, I I'm the visionary person. Like, I'm like, let's just let's freaking do it. Yeah. And she's like the analytical, you know, she's the, the med school person. So she like some, like she's learned now like NLP style, how to talk to me in a certain way, bottom line, bottom line results, uh, language. Cause any, anything yeah. that comes at me, like you should to, you need to defenses are up automatically. Walls, walls right. Up, but yeah. now she's like questioning, well, do you think, if you go ahead with that, that it might impact this, this, and this, <laughs> how do you think that might? So basically okay. you guys, you guys were going to an NLP course so that Trammy could learn how to properly wrangle Rob. <laughs> so I, I had been wanting to learn more about NLP for a long time. And it was funny, like whenever she and I, I had this vision before she and I got together, she was in med school at the time studying to get into medical school. And uh, we were at this, I was living in a little place where I had like roaches and shit like that, eating ramen, ramen and tuna. Yeah. And uh, we're at this Dunkin' Donuts where they have Wi-Fi and I'm on my little iPad trying to do my, my deal. And she's studying for, for medical school. And I'm like, man, if there's, if we could just team up, I know we would be such a power team. And I just had this vision for it. And then she decided not to go to medical school, team up with the oh, guy man. from prison. And now... And so I, at one point in time, I was like offered like, hey, I'll pay you to learn these things and teach them to me. Yeah. You know, I remember us, us having this conversation just because of the way her her mind works. And so now, like we just anytime she gets in her mind, like she wants to learn this thing. I'm like, oh, yes, because that means like she's going to really. <laughs> yeah. So that's same thing with, with NLP, different parts of coaching that we've done. We just we work really well together. I yeah. just I, I I'm super blessed to have her in my life for sure. 
That's amazing, man. Well, actually, I, I do want to go down that path for a second. You know, you've obviously yeah. been through a, a lot and now you're building an amazing relationship with an amazing woman. What what do you think is the key to your guys' success as a, as a couple there? Well, I mean, <laughs> our relationship started out pretty rocky because, yeah. I mean, she was in med school, whole family's doctors, and that wasn't really the path that she wanted to be on. Yeah. So like on weekends, she would be drinking, things like that. And uh, at the same time, you know, I was seeing her and, and this older, older lady that in one, I, I had certainty. And with uh, with Trammy, I had passion, but there was no certainty there. Right. So it all came to a head where we, I thought we were going to stop seeing each other. And I came over to her house one day and she had asked me like, hey, were you sleeping with this other other lady? And I'm thinking we're not going to talk again. I'm like, no. Right. Yeah. And so I go in the house and uh, she's like, hey, check this out. And she shows me her phone and it's like a text message from her to that other lady. Did you did you and Rob sleep together? And she's like, yeah. And before I could even get done looking at the phone to look back at her, she punched me in the face. Oh, man. Like and she's black belt. Taekwondo. I was, was going to say, man, so, I, I, I love Trammy already, but that just made me love her even more. <laughs> So she like just hit, dropped me and, and so I left and then like there was just both of us experienced this like sickness yeah. of, 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 of like of loss. So she had been, you know, doing her own thing too. She was seeing other people. So we just, we got back together and we're like, okay, we laid it all out on the table. We started off, we're going to try this again. I had the app on my phone for where she at. She had hers <laughs> on her phone for where I'm at. Yeah. And, uh, now it's even crazy to think about that because we've just been together like literally every day and like we do everything together now. <laughs> from so that, just, from that moment forward, it was complete openness, complete honesty, complete trust is what it sounded like. Right. I mean, yeah. And, and I, I had made like a, a deal with myself when I was locked up, like when I was younger and I was into drugs, I had beautiful women, but that, you know, that didn't have any, that there was nothing to it. No substance. And I, yeah. Right. So I was like, now anyone that that's in my life, like they got to be bringing something to the table. Yeah. It's got to be somebody that inspires me that we have to like, we complete each other to, to be the 100%. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I saw in her. Like she's, you know, super smart, driven, you know, we push each other, you know, yeah. she'll push me, I push her, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you, you weren't, weren't willing to settle for anything less than that. I think it sounds like too. Right. That's definitely that's awesome, man. Um, dude, I, I feel like we could probably just keep talking for hours, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. I have a, a handful of closing questions for you, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, for sure. First, first one I always got to ask is, uh, what's to you, you know, obviously someone who has gone from literally, you know, no money, no freedom in prison to, you know, now having seven figure businesses, having one of the biggest gyms in America. What's one thing for you that's more important than money and why? Uh, definitely the, the knowledge and experience. Yeah. Knowledge and experience, uh, just being around people, learning from people. It's like, I, I won't go on a regular like vacation, or at least I don't want to go on a regular vacation. Everything has to be like either tied to some type of training or event. Yeah. So I can come back feeling like I grew like you expanded from more valuable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, I mean, we actually have this, we just ordered this map, this massive map. Uh, that we're going to try to go all these different places, but they're all going to be specific to attending some type of training there. 
That's super. So now just to be able to travel around the world, meet with the top people in in mindset, influence, uh, fitness, I mean, just anything and everything to help us grow into the people that we want to be. And and we definitely value those experiences over over money for sure. That's amazing, man. I love that. Uh, Number two, what's your most recommended book from this last year? Mm, From this last year. Uh, and I've really been on sales and influence books this yeah. last year, and I'm struggling to. Uh, there was a, a Brian. Anything Brian Tracy is yeah. is always. I mean, amazing. Brian, Brian's Brian's a master. He's been doing it for a long time. Anything <clears throat> anything he teaches. I want to say I, I I read and reread his hundred laws of business. I love his laws. Yeah, like he has his you know his law. So I, I know I read something like that. I read several, but that's the that's the one that's probably popping out to me right now is is his book. Beautiful man, I dig that. Um, last question for you: uh, What's your obviously as somebody who's I don't know, almost addicted to growth? I would say um, somebody who's addicted to growth and continued edu- education. What's your your best, uh, and I think I already kind of know the answer from everything you've said, but what's your best modern resource uh, for continued ed- education that you know you think everybody should be aware of? Resource. How, how do you mean by that? Um, it, it could be it could be an online resource. It could be coaches. It could be um, you know obviously going to events and trainings and workshops. Oh yeah, the, for sure. Just coaches and mentors. Like find the person that did the thing you want to do, that did the thing, doesn't just have theories about the thing, but that actually did the thing that is successful and what it is you want to do, whether it's investing or whatever, find the person that's done the thing, doesn't just have theories and and seek them out and pay them to, to teach you yeah. the the shortcuts of how to get where you want to be. Not not be afraid to actually spend a little money because like you mentioned, you paid, you paid Bedros a bunch of money to tell you to go read this book you actually go right. read the book, right? You don't exactly you don't somebody else recommends it. You don't go read the book that changed your life. Exactly. The, the money, the investment isn't about that. It's about, it's about your, it's, it's you putting something into your, your focus and your attention. When you invest a lot of money for somebody that can give you the skill set you need, that is, that money is for your attention and for your focus. Yeah. Cause there's infinite amount of things we could be focused on and paying attention to. But when you hone in and you can focus on these few key things that you need to learn and do it until it's a part of you, that's something that you keep forever. Yeah. I mean, there's no shortage of information out there right now. There's just a shortage of focus on the right information. Yeah. Uh, That's beautiful, man. I love it. Uh, Rob, what's on the horizon for you that people need to know about and how can they find out more? Uh, Horizon, like... The clients that I work with, we help people with, with fitness, with nutrition, with mindset, really tying it all in together, especially like people, people's nutrition is nine times out of 10, a result of an identity they're attached to from yeah. the time they're young. Yeah. You know, the void that they're trying to fill through binging, things like that. So we are always on the quest to learn more, to, to be able to, that's one of the reasons, you know, going to the NLP event is. And then being able to coach people through this is you can't just tell them what the answer is. I mean, you know this, you have to, you have to coach them into them telling you what the answer is. It's 
So then they own it. So that it actually sticks. Right? Yeah. Right. So the people that we work with, you know, we want them to invest in themselves to work with us. So we have to practice what we preach and continually invest in ourselves and keep learning and growing so we can keep adding more and more value to the people that we work with. Amazing, man. Amazing. And for everybody out there who wants to learn more about Rob or you want to get his help, uh, shifting those identities, shifting those beliefs, getting fit, getting healthy, uh, make sure that you guys follow him at uh, at Rob Groupie on Instagram and Facebook. That's at R-O-B-G-R-U-P-E. Um, so for anybody who's looking for, you know, the master of helping people get fit, look great, lose weight, all of that, Rob's your man. Uh, Rob, this has been absolutely stellar. Uh, thank you for coming on today, man. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate you having me, man. It was good talking to you. Beautiful, man. And we'll see if we can get you on again in the future, too. I think there's a lot more to talk about. Thanks, man. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. Thanks a ton.